friends. Welcome today to Morning Glory. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and I'm so happy that you're here. I hope you've got your Bible, something good to drink, and let's jump into the Word of God today. We're going to start Mark chapter 4, and in verse 26, let's talk about a classic message that has been taught all over the world, but I'm, I'm a little bit concerned that this new generation coming up uh, could lose um, this great truth. Uh, I say that particularly to those in the Western church. I know in other parts of the world, this truth is worked day and night like a wrench or screwdriver with great effectiveness. You can take God's word as a, as a tool and, and work it. It's amazing. So this principle from the word of God called seed faith, we want to understand what it is. And you really need to know this. This is like an ABC principle of the kingdom. In other words, this is how God's kingdom works. And if you understand it, you can use it to your benefit for great results. And I think it's one of the most exciting principles in the Bible. We're going to talk about it today. What is seed faith? Let's jump in to the word of God with prayer. Well, Father, we asked it as we go into today's study that your word, the principles found in your word would be clearly seen so clearly seen that we could take them and apply them to our lives today. Now we thank you for this father. We thank you that the gospel message is a simple message. We receive it by faith. We thank you for clarity. And we also thank you that we have intent to not just be hearers of the word, but also doers. So we thank you father for application of your word in the name of Jesus. And today around the world, we say, amen. Praise God. Uh, perhaps you have been in uh, what we would call maybe Pentecostal, uh, charismatic, spirit-filled, tongue-talking circles within the church community around the world. And maybe you've heard the expression seed faith, uh, but for others, perhaps it's new to you. Um, Dr. Earl Roberts went home to be with the Lord uh, in the year 2009, but it was primarily through Dr. Earl Roberts that the phrase seed faith uh, became a phrase that was very common in the Pentecostal church and millions around the world were, ble were blessed by it. And it was a message that Dr. Roberts taught that was not just for the American church, but people all over the world heard that message. They saw the truth in the word that this is a principle of God. And so people from various continents and many different nations grabbed the truth and have been using it with great effectiveness in many other countries of the world. But, uh, you know, you go back, uh, 80 years in time, uh, you didn't really hear this principle taught. The church was still struggling with the concept of even God being good. They knew he was, but uh, life experience was coming out differently with a lot of defeat, a lot of failure, a lot of frustration. And so the church began to get understanding that God is good. Then the church began to get insight into ways to work God's principles that began to produce victory. And suddenly when you're winning, uh, you're not wanting to rush off in the, uh, in the rapture or something like that. You're like, Hey, you know, I'm winning. I don't mind staying around <laughs> and seeing many others, uh, one to the Lord and see the church strengthened. So, uh, this is the message of seed faith made popular, uh, by or Roberts. It was in the Bible the whole time. 
but he was a person that caught the revelation, but he actually caught it from a farmer. Praise the Lord. Now, uh, let me tell you that story briefly. Oral Roberts did at this point in his life as a young man married with two children, uh, did not yet have the noted international ministry. He was just starting out in ministry, making $55 a week. He and his wife, Evelyn, uh, with their two children, uh, were struggling to uh, get ends met. And so he was pastoring a small church and nobody would really uh, take him and his family in because most of the church members were struggling. And so uh, eventually one of the church members said, hey, you know, you and your family, Brother Roberts, come stay with our family. So Brother Roberts, he and his wife and two children are living at a very small house, about a thousand square feet with another church family. Well, you can imagine what that's like when you've only got two rooms you have a house that's a thousand square feet and you've got multiple families living in there. It's not very fun. And one, one night Evelyn told her husband, Oral, she said, Oral, if you don't do something about this and you don't get us a, a better living situation, she said, I'm leaving with the children. <laughs> I'm going back to my mother. <laughs> now she's not saying she's going to get a divorce. She's just saying, Hey, until you can get this fixed out, I'm, I'm going to have to pull out. This is just a little too much for what I bargained for. And, uh, well, uh, Brother Robert said that, uh, you know, the next time he was in the pulpit, I think, which was the following evening, he said he preached the message and it was hot and heavy. He doesn't even really remember what it was all about, but he basically was telling the people that we need to do something about this. We need, we need to raise a parsonage up. The, uh, and Brother Roberts was saying, I'm going to, I'm going to raise the support. I'm going to take an offering, uh, so that we can establish a parsonage. So not just for he and his family that they could live there. But, you know, of course, you know, uh, sometimes a, a pastor may pastor the church for a few years, then move on to another pastorate, then another one comes. Well, the, the parsonage would be there for any pastors to later to come. And so uh, Brother Roberts was just intent that he wasn't going to have his wife leave. He was going to do something uh, to get adequate housing. So he decided to raise the money to pull together the down payment for a parsonage. And of course, a parsonage for those that might not know that is the house where the pastor and his family stay at. Okay. So, uh, that evening, the Holy spirit told Oral Roberts to sow his entire weekly salary of $55 that he himself would, uh, uh, would need to be the first one to give and to sow. Well, that was, that was his whole week's, uh, paycheck, but he took it and he laid it on what was called the mourner's bench. That's what we would call the prayer altar. And he said, now I'm sowing my best seed uh, for a parsonage so that we can get a, a down payment for it. Anybody else that would like to be a part of this, please, this is the opportunity to respond. And uh, to his surprise, he said, people all over began to sow and a person gave $20, another person gave $100, and others began to give. And he said the, the wealthiest man in the church gave $1,000. Well, uh, when it was all uh, collected uh, later that night, he realized there's enough money. 
for a down payment for a parsonage. So he went home uh, that night and he was very happy uh, to see his wife. Evelyn said, how was the meeting tonight? And he said, oh, it was it was really good. She said, well, what happened? He said, I uh, was able to raise the down payment for a parsonage, you know, and God moved upon me to receive the offering. And so we've got the money for a down payment. She said, she said, did you give in the offering? He said, yes, I, I gave my best seed. She said, oh, she said, what did you do? Because she said, uh, we have to feed the children. You know, we, uh, she said, I have to take care of bills and stuff like that. He said, well, the Lord told me to give it all. <laughs> so, you know, when you, when you have the Lord's direction, the green light, you do it, uh, somehow it's going to work out. Well, she knew it was the Lord, but it's still tough because, you know, the, the kids still are going to have to eat the next day. But, you know, the money he's gone because he's already sold it and the money that has been collected is for the uh, down payment for the parsonage so he said he went to sleep that night he said oh that was a cold bed that night it was a tough night and um, but he said at four o'clock in the morning there was a knock on the door uh, and uh, he went and opened up the door and there was one of his church members a man named Art Newfield who was a uh, uh, one of the wheat farmers in his church and Art Newfield was in the service that night when the the offering was collected for the parsonage but he he's, he said brother Roberts I'm sorry for waking you up at four o'clock in the morning but he said I just couldn't sleep and um, I'm here because in the offering I did not give and uh, when I got home I, I just could not sleep and so uh, what he had done is he had gone out into his yard and he dug up some money that he had buried and now you know you go back to the 1940s and stuff like that that's the way uh, people back then a lot of them hid their money you put it in a tin can uh, and then you dig a hole in the ground you put the money uh, in the ground and a lot of people didn't trust banks, uh, you know, that close after the uh, depression in the 1920, late 1920s, 1930s. Uh, so um, anyhow, dug the money up. Uh, little side story. My grandfather had a bunch of uh, money also. He buried in the ground <laughs> a lot of coins and stuff like that. Uh, to my knowledge, I, don't, I think he forgot where he had buried it at. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He should have sowed it a seed. <laughs> I think that happens to a lot of people. They hide things or bury things. Maybe uh, maybe they uh, get amnesia or maybe they die and it, it's too bad. It was never used. But anyhow, praise the Lord. So Art Newfield shows up at four o'clock in the morning and he has dug up from his hiding place in the ground four $100 bills. Now, or Robert said that at that point in his life, he had never even held a $100 bill in his hand. Yet here he is holding now four $100 bills because uh, Art Newfield is giving them to him. Praise God. But this is something amazing that took place. Oral Roberts said, he said, why are you giving me these four $100 bills? And he said, he said, uh, Oral, he said, you know that I'm a wheat farmer and I know as a farmer that I have to plant seed to get a harvest in my wheat field. This $400, he said, is not just money. It's a seed of my faith that I am sowing to the Lord to get my own needs met. Wow. So Oral said that the moment that happened as 
uh, Art Newfield made that statement. He said, it's like everything just became still and his spirit, Oral's spirit leaped within him. And he knew that he had been given a key to a divine principle of God, which he called it seed faith. Praise the Lord. Well, of course, uh, the children were able to eat. Groceries were able to be purchased. A parsonage was able to be uh, acquired. And uh, God began to meet the needs of church members who had sown uh, towards their needs. And miracles were a result of what took place that night. Now, I believe when we lock into principles that govern the kingdom, I believe you come into a place where, um, how can I say, you don't have to struggle. Uh, Remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, verse 52, referring to the religious leaders, Pharisees, Sadducees, those who were experts in the Mosaic law. He said, you have taken away the key of knowledge from those that have not had, in other words, those that had privilege to the law, had study and education, and uh, were uh, were well versed and skilled in the scriptures, they took away the key of knowledge from what we would call the common people. And so, and the religious leaders knew they did it. They did it on purpose. So um, knowledge can be referred to as a key. And when you have a key, you don't you don't have to struggle. That's why Jesus indicted them for what they had done. You have taken away the key of knowledge. You're not sharing these truths with the people and you're, you're using the people for selfish gain. But when you have a key, you begin to eliminate struggle out of your life. Think about your house. If you go to your house and uh, you're outside of your house, you want to go inside of your house. Uh, you don't struggle with the door. Why? You, you have the key. You take the key, you unlock the door, and uh, you go into your house. There's no struggle. Uh, what about your car? Uh, if you walk up to your car, uh, you have your key or your key fob. You just unlock it, you get in, and you drive off. The reason people get stranded, the reason the people struggle, the reason for some that life is so frustrating is they don't have the key. Um, and that key is the key of knowledge. There's something about the knowledge of God, God's way of doing things, God's principles that are spiritual laws that govern things that if you don't know that knowledge, if you don't have that key, you can be saved and still on your way to heaven, but you're just, you're defeated on all sides because you don't have the key. So when you get the key and you know how to use it, of course, anybody knows how to use it. It's just getting it. Once you've got that key and seed faith is a key. Once you have that key, you can really begin to move into a life where you don't have these crazy pressure situations. You don't have these wild struggles. You just, you just take the key, you unlock the door and you go through praise the Lord. And that's what we're going to be discovering here in our short study this morning of seed faith. Understand also that Oral Roberts was raised on a farm for the first 14 years of his life. So his father had taught he and his brother, you know, how to plant cotton, 
how to plant corn and things like that. And I can relate to that. I grew up as a young boy uh, in Mississippi, and uh, we had a we had a large farm. We had uh, we, grew, we grew a lot of things. We had our own garden, and uh, plus we had a large uh, farm of many acres. I don't know how many acres it was. It, as far as I could uh, remember from a young boy's mentality, it just looked like the rows just went on forever. I'm sure they didn't, but they seemed like that. But uh, we had a lot of pimento peppers. We had a lot of cucumbers. And in our own personal farm, we had a, oh, just anything you can think of because we lived a long way from the grocery store. So most of the stuff we had was grown in the backyard. And then, you know, you can it, you pickle it, you preserve it, you eat it all through the winter and so forth and so forth. But we understand agricultural from the, uh, from the method of seed being planted, eventually reaping the harvest, okay? So today we're talking about seed faith. Now, what exactly is seed faith? It is the application of your faith. In other words, you're using your faith. It is the application of your faith where you sow a seed and you target it towards a certain need, expecting a miracle harvest in that specific area, okay? So let me say that again. This is the principle, the biblical principle of seed faith. You are going to use the application of your faith so that you sow a seed. Now you're sowing in faith. You're not just doing this, you know, randomly. You're doing it on purpose. You are using the application of your faith to sow a seed and you are targeting that seed towards a certain need, expecting a miracle harvest in that specific area. Praise God. That's what seed faith is. Now, Dr. Orr Roberts said that out of the 125 books that he wrote in his lifetime, and uh, also the 31 little mini booklets that he wrote, out of all of the writing, and out of all, out of all of the teaching that he did that spanned over 60 years of ministry, he said the most important revelation that he ever got from the Lord was the revelation of seed faith. And he was always thankful for brother Art Newfield who had made that statement that this money is more than just money. This is seed that I'm sowing because I have a need in my life also. Woo! Praise the Lord. Now we see the principle of seed faith throughout Scripture, uh, beginning in Genesis and so forth, but I'm just going to touch a few verses. This is really a subject that we can only go over topically because there's so much depth. We could go, uh, you know, subject after subject or or in depth on this particular subject, but I just want to touch some of the meat uh, uh, concerning it, okay? Mark chapter 4, verse 26, and he said, this of course would be Jesus, and he said, the kingdom of God, what is the kingdom of God? It's God's way of doing things. Every kingdom has a king. Every king governs differently. Every king within their kingdom has their own subjects. That's you and me, the believers. And that king has his rules, his way of doing things. That's why it's a ways off, but I'm already looking forward to the millennial reign 
Why? You're going to see a king who will do it right. And there have been some good leaders that have been in the world throughout various centuries, uh, good presidents, some good governors, good kings, good emperors, and so forth. But watch when Jesus comes, and he will rule in Jerusalem for a thousand years. And he's going to show the world how it's done right. Why? He's the king. He's going to set up his kingdom on the earth. There will be guidelines. There will be rules. Uh, Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 14 uh, tells the nations who will not get in line what will happen to them if they're disobedient under his kingdom reign. Uh, that's a different subject, but it's very fun to look into. So here we see that the kingdom of God, Jesus said, is as if a man should scatter seed or sow seed on the ground. Okay, so the kingdom of God, God's way of doing things works through the principle of seed time, harvest, sowing, reaping, giving, and receiving. In other words, what we would call seed faith. Woo, there it is in the Bible. It is a beautiful subject indeed. Now, uh, Dr. Orr Roberts said that there are three keys that cause the principle of seed faith to work. Now remember, this is coming from a man formerly that was a farmer uh, who proved this through many years of real life application. And also, of course, we see it laid out clearly in the word of God. But there's three keys that cause seed faith to work. And I just want to touch on those. They're very simple as any biblical truth is. And uh, these are things that you can jump into today. I believe that the revelation of seed faith will be something that is an integral component of your Christian life. You'll understand it and you'll know this is a time. This is a time that I should operate in seed faith. And I, I believe that this is something that you're really going to love. Praise God. Now, the first key to operate in seed faith is number one, look to God as your source and not to men. That's very, very important. You may not have thought that would be number one, but it really is the truth. You must look to God as your source and not to men. Now over here in second Corinthians chapter nine, by the way, chapter eight and chapter nine are two chapters with in-depth teaching by the gifted and anointed Apostle Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit concerning the subject of the giving of a special offering. And so we know that chapters 8 and 9 in context is always important, of course, to keep things in context. We know that the context is that of the giving of an offering. Wow, praise the Lord. We see here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, that it says, now may he, that's God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown. See, it is very important that you always keep your eyes on God as the source, because Jehovah Jireh is the only one who can multiply the seed that you sow. Okay, see, it says here that he's able to multiply the seed you have sown. By the way, you, you have to sow it. We'll talk about that in a minute. But it's very important to know that only God has the ability to multiply seed. Mm, thank you, Lord Jesus. So he is the author of the multiplication of your seed. Yes, he is. Hallelujah. He is your Jehovah Jireh. Aren't you glad? 
Aren't you glad today that you have a Jehovah Jireh in your life? I mean, what if, what if your God was Jehovah Poverty? <laughs> it doesn't even sound right, does it? <laughs> it doesn't even come off. It doesn't even roll off the tongue right. Mm, thank you, Jesus. But Jehovah Jireh, mm, that sounds smooth. What does it mean? It literally means the Lord God who will see to it that your every need is met. Oh, how does he do it? Through the principle of seed faith. But you must always be looking to him. Eyes on the Lord as your Jehovah Jireh. If you ever tried to make anything else your Jehovah Jireh, you're, you're, you're off base. You're off base. You're, the, the principle is not going to work because you're, you're, you're not working the principle. Okay. Seed faith requires that God and God alone be your source. Oh, now hold on just a minute, Pastor Stephen. My job's my source. Pastor Stephen, I work for Sears, and I've worked for Sears for years, and Sears is my source. Uh, I think I saw in the newspaper the other day that Sears is filing for bankruptcy. In other words, if Sears is your source and they go down, well, don't be surprised if you go down with them. My friends, if you make anything besides God your source, uh, you're on very, very shaky ground. Don't make even your intellect your source. Don't make your spouse your source. Don't make your job your source. Don't make your rich uncle your source. Don't make your parents your source. If they ever run out, you're finished, just like they would be. But God has eternal, unlimited supply, and he will never run dry. Mm, thank you, Lord Jesus. So tie in to the endless source, and that's God, and that is God alone. Praise God. I love the, the story that Bishop David Oyedipo tells about uh, the divine encounter he had with the Lord Jesus in a vision. And the Lord uh, told David Oyedipo, he told him to look up with one eye and at the same time look down with the other eye. Okay, you, you try that right now, right where you're sitting. Try looking up with one eye, and while you're looking up with the other eye, look down at something, and both at the same time, see if you can clearly focus on both things. See if you can do it. look straight up and look straight down at the same time, and see if you can look to both of them at the same time. Oh, uh, you'll find out that you can't do it. Praise God. And that's when Jesus said to Bishop David Oyedipo, don't claim to be looking unto me when you are really looking unto men. And that's what a lot of Christians, they claim like they're looking to the Lord, but oh, they're, they're just dropping hints all the time around people and trying to finagle people and their, their trust is in people. Oh no, my friends, if you want to fly in covenant principles, if you want to fly in proven truths of biblical principles at work, you're going to have to look to the Lord and make him your source. Now, God does work through people because people are vessels, but they are not the originator of where the blessings coming from. God works through people. He flows it through people just like the cup. There's something in the cup, but the cup is not the source. What's in the cup came from an another source. <laughs> the cup is just a vessel. That's what we are. Okay. That's what we are. God can pour through us, but it's coming from him. Look to him as your source. 
because he has unlimited supply. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. So three keys to seed faith. Number one, look to God as your source and not to men. Number two, you must give so that it may be given unto you. I'm sure you know the scripture. Perhaps you have it memorized. I've got it memorized also, but let's, let's look at it. Let's look at it. Sometimes even when you have things memorized, you still want to just look at it again. Let it soak in Luke six thirty-eight, Luke chapter six, verse 38, give, aha, that's the condition give and so, and the conjunction meaning do this. And then the next part will be joined to it. Give and it will be given to you. But see, you, you have to step forward and do your part. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. God's really into the running over. He really is. But you need to give, and you need to give with that good measure. Because that's the way it's going to come back. If you give it a teaspoon, it's going to come back in a teaspoon. If you give it a truckload, it's going to come back in a truckload. If you give in a um, you know, shipload, it's going to come back in a shipload. So whatever measure you measure out, that's the way it's going to come back. So give the, you know, the way you want your harvest, just sow towards that. Praise God. But you have to give. It does start with giving. And then we have Acts chapter 20 another scripture that is good for us to look at and see with our own eyeballs. This of course is Acts chapter 20 verse 35. Praise the Lord. Let me drop down to it here. There it is. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. We, we like that statement. It's a wonderful statement. It does something in your heart when you give. It, it creates such a peace. It creates such dignity in your heart. When you are in the giving mode, it just, mm, it makes you feel like the, the way God feels. You can identify with that through giving because God loves to give. And there's a, there is a, uh, there's an emotion. There's an, if I can use the word feeling, but it comes out of your, out of your spirit. Uh, something wonderful uh, just is released when you give, but there's something also we need to understand. It says it is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus said that. Well, why also is it more blessed to give than it is to receive? Here's why this is very fascinating because only what you give can be multiplied. God can't multiply what you receive. He can only multiply what you give. That's why it's more blessed to be the giver because <laughs> what you just gave, uh, not only did it bless somebody, but now God can multiply that seed, whatever that thing you just gave, God can now multiply it. Ah, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. That seed uh, if you cook it, it ends right there. He, he can't multiply it. If, if you eat that seed, well, that was the end of that seed's destiny. It got eaten. And, and so it can't be multiplied. He can only multiply what you sow. That's why it is more blessed to give than it is to receive because what you give can actually be multiplied back to you, but what you receive cannot be multiplied back to you. It's fascinating. 
it, it really is fascinating when that seed goes into the ground. Oh, I, I know that scientists have even put cameras into the earth to watch the seed as it does its thing. I, I saw a seed one time that was kind of put in a glass case. It was under, the, the seed was underground in the soil, but it had like a glassed area where you could watch the seed, and they had time-lapse cameras watch the seed do its thing. And, of course, the scientists could say, now now the seed is doing this and doing that. They had technical terms through the for the processes that the seed went through, and eventually, uh, you know, sprouting, budding, and the, the whole nine yards. But still, even today, scientists cannot explain why or what is it that causes life to come forth? They, they can't explain that. Yes, they can explain the mechanics of the, of the, of the seed as it grows and develops. Uh, they have names for every stage. But the fact that the seed somehow has the essence of life in it and it, and it can create more life, that, that's something that they still, they can't, they can't replicate that. And they really don't have an explanation for that because that's something that only God can do through the creating of life. And that is something that he put into the seed. Wow. Your seed has life potential in it. But of course, if you cook it and eat it, that's a wrap for that seed. Praise the Lord. So you need to give that it may be given unto you. Now in your giving, this is very important. This is, this is tied in with seed faith in your giving. You need to aim your seed, identify the purpose of your seed, why you're sowing it, what you're sowing it for. Of course, make sure that uh, what it is that you're sowing it for is accordance with the word of God. Pastor Stephen, I'm sowing my seed for a a liquor business. I want to open my own liquor business. Uh, You might want to talk that over with the Lord. I would certainly suggest that you would do that. Uh, A lot of people, even Christians, have some pretty interesting ideas sometimes for some things they want to do that I would say that would not agree with Scripture. And uh, I, I don't think God can bless that. See, God cannot bless disobedience. So you want to make sure that if you're sowing towards something, that it's got thumbs up from the Lord, green light with the Holy Spirit uh, in, in harmony with the scriptures. And then, uh, you know, that, that, that's not hard really to, uh, you know, get that ironed out. And then sow towards it. Praise God. Identify the purpose of your seed sowing. Identify the purpose of your seed sowing. Aim your seed. This is the purpose. This is why I'm sowing this seed. And God also, the Father, aimed his seed when he sowed it. Let me show that to you in Scripture. I'm sure you can quote this verse. But uh, let's turn there and look at it with our very eyes. John chapter 3, verse 16. I know you know this verse. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. And anytime there's true love, there will be giving associated with that. But what did God do? He gave. What did he give? Pastor Stephen, he gave an angel because he wasn't going to give his best. He, he reserved that for himself, and he gave an angel. That's what he gave. No, he didn't give that. Let's read the rest of the verse. For God so loved the world <laughs> that he gave his only begotten son. Okay, that would be Jesus. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have 
everlasting life. Praise God. So God aimed his seed. What was his seed? His son. What was he aiming the seed for? He had a son, but he wanted a family. Okay. So he sowed his best so that he could have millions and millions of children. And that's what you and I now are because of Jesus, the firstborn, praise God, of the seed of David, praise the Lord, the seed sown by God, producing the harvest that the father wanted many sons and daughters, praise God. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we thank you today for seed faith. So aim your seed. Father God, this is why I'm sowing my seed. I believe, oh God, that you will multiply it back to me and meet that specific need that I'm sowing towards. Hallelujah. Okay, so number one, principle of seed faith. Number one, look to God as your source, not to men. Number two, give in order that it may be given unto you. And number three, there's only three. That's all you have to focus on. Number three, expect a miracle. I like it. Now in John chapter eight, verse 44, Jesus said that Satan is a liar and the father of lies. Anytime there's a lie, the devil's behind that. And the enemy really does try to lie and say, oh, it doesn't work. This stuff is just, you know, somebody wants your money, stuff like that. And the devil will just lie and lie and lie. Oh, you're just giving stuff away. If you give away, you're losing. You're not gaining, you're losing. And just lie and lie and lie. But this really does work on a biblical principle of seed faith. And if you're a farmer, you know that if you ever want to harvest, you, you can pray all you want, but praying does not create a harvest. You can do a 40-day fast, and a 40-day fast does not create a harvest. You can have a march for Jesus and get thousands of people to join you and march down the street and shout, Jesus is Lord, but that does not create a harvest. What creates a harvest is sowing of seed, and it works the same way in these other areas of your life where you have need. So don't listen to the devil. He's a liar. Hallelujah. He's the father of lies. You need to expect a miracle when you sow your seed. Hallelujah. Your, your expectancy is linked to supernatural hope tied into constant faith. Now, Jesus um, uh, took me to heaven one time over 10 years ago, and I I actually sat in the lap of Jehovah God, the heavenly father. And he talked to me about hope, which is a, which is a divine expectancy. And we need to live in expectancy that the seeds we've sown, it's going to be multiplied back and we're going to get a miracle. So you need to be expecting a miracle constantly, just in faith. I'm getting a miracle harvest. Praise God. Now, your expectancy is linked to a supernatural hope and a strong, constant faith. Perhaps you've heard of the great man of God from England, lived in the 1800s. His name was George Mueller, and he started an orphanage with just a few children, taking in these orphan children and believing God by faith that God would supply needs to take care of these orphans so that they could be raised up the gospel could be preached to them. They could get an education. He could raise a school up. 
and clothe them and teach them a job skill and they can have dignity in life. And he started with just a few children and it began to grow. And as it grew, the needs grew and he kept using his faith, exercising his faith, believing God for miracles and, uh, and God would do it over and over. And he, the, the children ran into the thousands. He had, had one, one time had over 2000 orphans. Now you can imagine the needs food every day for 2000, um, uh, children that are growing and, uh, the food, the clothing, all the needs. And sometimes there were days there was no money and no food and he'd have them all sit down at the table and pray. And uh, you lead a prayer. Thank God for the food. And the next thing you know, there's trucks pulling up outside, just dropping food off, not planned. Just, you know, Hey, we had some extra food. Thought we'd just drop by and see if you needed any. Uh, oh yes. Well, bring it on in. And that just stuff like that happened over and over and over again. This was a man that learned to expect a miracle that use faith and expect a miracle. And God would always bring it. Well, one time, uh, George Mueller, uh, received an invitation to travel from England and come over to America some churches in America had heard about this man of faith and the great work he was doing, and they wanted him to come to minister to them, and they wanted to, uh, you know, hear about his faith, and of course, hear about his orphanage, and they said, we want to be a blessing to you, so come, and we want to send you back blessed. We want to support the work that you're doing. He really prayed about it, and since that God was in on it, the Holy Spirit was leading him, so he accepted the invitation, and uh, planned this trip. Uh, God on a ship began to cross the Atlantic Ocean coming over to America and a violent storm arose tremendous storm and it did not look good for the ship so he's uh, in his room George Mueller is in his room and there's a knock on the door and he opens the door it's the captain and the captain says he says Mr. Mueller he says I, I'm so sorry to tell you this but the ship is going down within 20 minutes he said, I'm so sorry that you will not make it to America to meet your, your friends. I'm so sorry about your school, your, your, your children, the orphanage. I'm so sorry, but the ship is going to go down in 20 minutes. And George Mueller very firmly replied and said, Captain, this ship is not going to sink. I'm going to America on God's orders. I'm going to receive help. Then I'm going to return back to England and I'm going to take care of my school and I'm going to take care of my orphanage. This ship is not going to sink. The captain said to George Mueller, he said, do you want me to pray with you? And brother Mueller said, no, you believe this ship is going to sink in 20 minutes. I don't want your unbelief to hinder my faith. Now, for some of you, bless your hearts, you think that Brother Mueller was rude. The reason you think that is because you don't understand faith. And I would probably also think that if you thought he was rude, uh, you probably also don't understand seed faith principle. Uh, let me tell you right now, there's something about faith that's bold. It's not rude. It's not arrogant. It's just bold. And you need to get around people that are high flyers not people that are defeated and grumbling and complaining and that are negative. And then if somebody rises up in just faith, they say, oh, that's that person. Who do they think they are? Well, they, they think that that God's word is true. 
Hallelujah. You need to get around people like George Mueller. You need to be around people of faith if you want to accomplish great things. If you want seed faith principles to work in your life, um, you cannot associate and have as your best friends people that are full of doubt and unbelief. You cannot be around people like that. Praise God. Uh, George Mueller expected to go and return in a blessed condition. He had faith that his expectancy would be fulfilled. And you know what? It was. Praise God. Hallelujah. Can you imagine what would have happened if he would have said to the captain, Oh, we're going down. The captain would have said, Oh, yeah, we're going down for sure. Oh, oh, well. Well, let's get our life preservers on. Maybe we can last in the frigid cold waters for at least maybe 10 minutes before we all perish. Um, you, you can just imagine what would happen if just, see, but let's not, let's not even try to imagine that. We shouldn't imagine that. But look, don't ever get on the unbelief ship. Stay in faith. You'll go right on through. You'll go, you'll go right on through. Woo, glory to God. Mm, expect a miracle. Well, who does he think he is? He's somebody that believes the word. He's expecting a miracle. That's the way I am. Hallelujah. That's the way a faith person is expecting a miracle. Praise God. Don't try to talk people out of God's blessing. Try to encourage them and be wind in their cell. Hallelujah. Who knows when they break through, they might want to be a blessing to you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. Three keys to operating in seed faith principle. Number one, look to God as your source and not to men. Number two, give that it may be given unto you. And number three, expect a miracle. Praise God. Let me conclude by, by sharing that um, Oral Roberts talked about an event that happened, <coughs> excuse me, that happened in a tent crusade in Miami, Florida, uh, many years back. And this was a time his ministry was very popular. He's doing large crusades, tent crusades. Uh, but there in Miami, uh, uh, the devil didn't like what was taking place. The enemy would always try to, uh, you know, at times impede and hinder the work of God. And so there was a death threat that was sent to uh, Brother Oral Roberts. Um, his workers came to him that day where he was there at the hotel they told him about the death threat, the seriousness of it. And they said, we are, we are concerned about you going out there, that this is a very credible threat. And, um, we're, we're not sure if you should do the meeting tonight. They shared that information with him. They left. He's there in the room by himself and he's laid on the bed. He tried to, he tried to take a nap, go to sleep, but he's, he's struggling. He's struggling because he's being attacked by a spirit of fear and um, he's on the bed, he's tossing around, turning around. And he said, he said fear had gripped his heart. And um, you, uh, those of you that have ever been in situations like that, you know, it's like a, it's like a, um, it's like a very tangible type thing. When it hits, it hits and it, you can, you can feel it. And it, it really began to try to overwhelm him. But the Lord came and strengthened him in the hotel room. And he heard the audible voice of the Lord speak to him. And of course, I remember anytime you hear God speak, it is just loaded and charged with faith and it will, it'll detonate an atmosphere of fear and unbelief. And the Lord spoke to him and said, expect a miracle. Wow. And Oral Roberts said, as he pondered on that 
amazing statement that the Lord had said to him. He said, God spoke again and said this, expect a new miracle every day. Wow. Wow. Well, that, that just obliterated the atmosphere of fear. And see, God's word is charged with the power. Uh, you can get the word of God or that rhema word. See, faith comes by hearing. You can get it from hearing the word, or it could happen just when the Lord speaks. There's different ways that word can come to you. How you could different ways in which you can hear it. But however you get it, wow, it, it'll really, how can we say, light you up. Uh, it'll, it'll infuse you with superhuman power. And so he said that night, he walked out there on that platform with his head held high, full of faith. He said, nobody fired a shot. Nothing happened uh, negative in any way. But he said, people were healed all over the place. Many people were saved and born again. Isn't that amazing? Many of those people are in heaven today. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God for the word of the Lord. But he went out there and he realized that it is true that we can expect a new miracle every day. Now that, that statement, expect a miracle was something of a message, a supernatural message that he took to over 70 nations of the world in his travels. Praise God. And I, I believe that what I would like to do very soon is teach on the subject of expectancy. It's very important. I've had, I've had heavenly insight on the importance of divine expectancy. Praise God. That's, that's your faith alive. That's your faith in the now moment. And now we understand there's seasons where it comes forth, but you're walking with a heart of expectancy where you wake up in the morning, today's my day. And it really is true. If you're sensitive and you're looking and you believe it, there is a miracle coming to you every day. It could be a large one, could be a small one, could be a medium sized one. It could be a jumbo one, but there is a new miracle coming to you every single day. I want you to release your faith for that. Okay. So let's very quickly cover the three keys of seed faith. Number one, look to God as your source and not to men. Number two, give that it may be given unto you. And number three, expect a miracle that what you have sown, God is going to multiply it back to you. And today is your day. Hallelujah. Now that's how you work the principle that is known as seed faith. Praise God. I want you to walk in this revelation. I want you to apply your faith towards this. Apply your faith. Use your faith intentionally for this. That with the application of your faith, you can sow a seed and target that seed towards a need that you have in your life, expecting a miracle harvest in that very area in which you have sown into, that God could give you a harvest out of that. Praise God. I know He can do it. I've seen Him do it in my life in the most, the most incredible ways that humanly you couldn't even think of how God could have done some of the things that God has done in my life. They're so supernatural that, that it, it, it stunned me and stunned others who witnessed it. <laughs> it was, it was just like off the chart crazy. And I believe that the best is still yet to come. And I believe in your life, you have not even seen the greatest harvest yet that God is going to do for you. God has your harvest on his mind and he's going to do it. And as you apply these three keys to this principle of seed faith, 
you are going to be in for mega harvest. Get ready. Get ready. This is God's hour for you. This is God's time for you. God's grace is all over your life. Get ready to receive the greatest harvest you have ever seen. And I'm talking about even reaping ongoing harvest, ongoing harvest where it's just coming in consistently and you're working these three keys consistent, consistently raise your hands. Father, I pray for your people today that they be practitioners of seed faith, that they be practitioners of the covenant workers of the covenant operating in kingdom principles, because you are the king and we are the subjects of your kingdom. And we love doing your, your kingdom laws. We love it. This is the way you work. Father, we love it. You establish it to work like this. We love it. And we engage in it. Father, bless your people in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Praise God. Let's take communion. Woo. The keys are being put in your hands. And when the keys are in your hand, there's no struggle. <laughs> you just unlock the door. <laughs> Woo. I can't get this door open. You just need the key. Ah, keys, keys, keys in your hands today. I'm telling you the principles of God, God's principles is, is what makes his people high flyers, not beggars, not strugglers, not grumblers and complainers. No, high flyers have the keys and you, you unlock the door. No strain, no struggle. And you enjoy all that God has for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we bless the bread and the juice. We consecrate it. This is now the flesh and blood of Jesus. Let's take communion together. Father, we thank you for the flesh, the body of Christ. We receive his body. We receive the revelation of your principles that govern how we are to live our lives, not by accident, not by just hoping and wishing and random chance. No, by principles that give us lift, that give us victory, that are eternal. Father, we tie in. We tie into your word. Father, we receive the body of Jesus. We walk in the knowledge of you, O God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Let's receive the body of Christ. The Lord is telling me to tell you that your days of struggles are coming to an end. That as you operate these keys, work these principles, your days of struggling are finished. Father, I decree that over your people in Jesus' name. No more struggle, no more frustration, but joy and ease. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus, that Christ became sin, that we through him might become the righteousness of you, O God. We thank you, Father God, that now when you see Jesus, your son, exalted at your right hand, when you see him, you see us in him. And because we are clothed with him, we are clothed with his righteousness. Father, we don't understand it, but we accept it. it we are marveled by your grace bestowed upon us through Christ. And Father, we just say we receive it. Thank you, Father, as we receive the blood of Jesus. We thank you that our sins are washed away and that we are established in him 
and in his righteousness. We rejoice, O God, that we have access into your courts day and night, 24-7. And Father, may we be found there consistently by your grace. Father, thank you in Jesus' name. Let us now receive the holy blood of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I see mega harvest on your horizon. It's coming quick. Get ready to reap. Let your expectancy be high. We'll be talking more about expectancy in the days to come. Till then, be rest. Be, be blessed. Hallelujah. I just, I see these giant waves of wheat harvest coming over you. Get ready to reap. Get ready to reap. You might not get that much sleep because it's time to reap. Hallelujah. When the harvest is, is, is in the field, you've got to, we got to reap it. You've got to reap it. Hallelujah. Be looking for it. Father, I bless your people in Jesus name. See you next time. Bye-bye. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.